This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends in the Australian running community you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in Season 2, Episode 9, I interview Brisbane runner Jack Bruce. Jack graduated from the prestigious Anglican Church Grammar School in Brisbane in 2011, winning the 6K a GPS cross-country event that year. A year and a half later, he left Australia to join the American College running system, where he remained for a handful of years. In the last four or so years, Jack has been training predominantly out of the University of Queensland in various locations around Brisbane with a small elite Brisbane and Australian running group. Jack has achieved feats as great as winning the Bridge to Brisbane and the Australian 3000 Open Metre Championships at Box Hill in 2021. So like always, kick back, throw the headphones in and enjoy hearing from one of Australia's most consistent runners, over the past eight years or so, as he talks all things about racing and training centered primarily around his favorite events of the five and the 10K. Got the headset. Yeah, the old work headphones out. Professional, like your first podcast. <laughs> I wish, yeah. <laughs> nah, they're pretty good. They're just uh, trying to block out the other noise from the other room. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, good. Well, mate, uh, welcome officially to the Local Legends in Running podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. I'm running off the uh, hot spot today. I'm out at the, the uh, in-laws. The, uh, the parents-in-law today, and uh, I've got a makeshift yeah. studio here. You can see the sun there behind me beaming through the doors off the main road. So apologies for that. That's all right. Not too bad. I got the, I got the light bleeding through the windows on my on my left. So yeah, hopefully it's, uh, and the mirror behind me here. So hopefully it's, I'm not too bright. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, Jack, how was your uh, morning of running this morning? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, we just, uh, we had hills, um, six six by 800 hills so it's uh we always have hills on a saturday um but seeing as though we're sort of in the thick of the track season there it's a bit of there's a bit more well a bit more emphasis on on the hills at this time of the year as in they're just a bit harder because normally when we're in our sort of normal or more like conditioning phase so sort of the more like the second half of the year after you finish track stuff we'll just do a more kind of a kind of a hilly threshold session and we do that at Tui Forest, but we were doing uh, hill reps in the uh, Tuong Cemetery this morning, actually. So there's a good 800 hill in there that we that we do. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you that, where you get the hills, you're a Brisbane athlete, so various spots there. Where else do you train for your hills on a Saturday? Well, the we have the if we do it depends on the session. So if we're doing the um if we're doing that sort of hilly threshold session, we go to Tui Forest. There's a sort of a an out and back section which has a couple of like uh has like five hills for each out like out and back, and we do that twice. And that's just that session is kind of a um you run the hills hard, but you kind of just try and float the in between. Um so it's just a, it's like about 22 minutes continuous. Um, but everything else, if we've got anything like sort of like threshold and hills, yeah, that's another sort of variant of the session you can do. And obviously the uh, 800 longer hills we did this morning, those are kind of, we do those at Twong Cemetery because that's, um, I think that's kind of the best hill for getting, getting some good work in that we found because it's kind of a balance of, you want to heal the tar, but you also want something that you can actually sort of get after it as well. I mean, some of the other options, like um, some of the other options, like going to Mount Cuthra and those kind of places can be a bit too, severe. like the, the, it's a bit too severe to actually get out of the session what you're trying to put into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So are you down the main road there past the cemetery? Is that where you run? So where we do it, it's like one of the roads in the cemetery is where we do the hill. Oh, it's inside the cemetery, right? Yeah, it's inside it. Yeah. yeah you don't do that too early. Yeah, it's just one of the roads. Dark. Uh, we started set. We warmed up at seven this morning, so <laughs> it's a bit nicer at this time of year. So we don't have to get up so early. But um, like in the sort of the start of the year when we were when we we're doing these when the domestic season was on, we'd probably warm up at like six thirty. So not not crazy early. I think, yeah, we 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 go at it. We try and go at an hour where it's going to be a bit cooler. But we never try, we never. I mean, we're not going to be warming up. We never warm up at like five a.m. or anything just to beat the heat because it's hot anyway. So you know you're only really <laughs> saving yourself a degree or two. And then first, like you know, compare that to when you know the the lack of the less sleep you're going to get from getting up that early. You're probably you're probably cutting into your performance a bit there. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. In, when it's hot, we'll go at like we'll warm up at six or six thirty. But given it's a bit cooler, we give ourselves a bit of the sleep in and go at seven. Yeah, great. Hey, now uh, it's Saturday, twenty second of April. We're on at one fifty p.m. Actually, uh, for a bit of context for this interview. But um, you've always been on the radar, Jack. But uh, last week I attended the Churchy Anglican Church Grammar School cross country camp. I've been a coach there for a few years now. And I think that probably was a bit of a catalyst to get you on this podcast. You attended there over about 10 years ago, I think. I think you're in your late 20s now. So, um, yeah, Jack. Yeah, Curran, I graduated. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know Jack Curran yeah. as well. And yeah. um, perhaps Michael yeah, Symes, maybe after your time as the director there. Um, so, Symes, he was my housemaster, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he, he was one of the, uh, when, I think when he... He first came to church when I was in year nine, so that that's going back to like two thousand and nine. And he, uh, at the time, he was one of the, um, I think he was the, I can't remember if he was the director of cross country at Ippy Grammar, but then he came, he came to church. You know, he was one of the age group coordinators at the time, or one of the age group coaches, and, um, because this is at a time when uh andrew stalling who you may know was yes, at yeah. working at church and he was 
he was directing it. We had Lloyd Way, who was coaching, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, kind Jack Curran came in. Uh, I think he came to church in two thousand nine. Yeah, maybe two thousand eight. Um, so yeah, but know all those guys very well. Known yeah, for a long so time. Is Jack a year below you? Then is that? Did he finish a year after you? He finished a year ahead, but was like both we both was born in nine ninety four. So for all the age group state cross country and all that sort of stuff we'd race. Um he was the he and Pat Tin and back then were the superstars. I was yeah. <laughs> well, not looking at the back markers, but I, I wasn't in the top I wasn't in sort of the top places of them. Yeah. We had a we had a stupidly good age group back then. Yeah, I think a premiership was one back then, wasn't it? Somewhere around that time anyway. Uh, 2012, yeah, we um, might have been the last time we won. Actually, I, I don't know that. But I think it was, yeah, yeah. We uh, it's been a while. We better we better get the boys revved up to try and win again. But I think we won. We scored 40. I think we scored 44 points or something like that across the five yeah. age groups. Which so we we dominated that year. Um, I think by the I remember by the time we got to the opens race, we 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 would have had to really do badly to lose. But I think we, yeah, we because we won three age groups out of the five. So, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we dominated that day, which is, that, that was, that's a pretty good memory I have um, winning that day. Cause I mean, I, I won, I won the opens and ran the then record, but then, you know, Kai Robinson came along a few oh, years right. later and smashed it. Oh, yeah. so Kai did break your record. So it must have been a low to mid 18 then across that 6K at Limestone Park that you recorded. 1840. It's always a bit, a bit short, though, isn't it? Was it short in your time? Generally, like 5.8k there. Can't remember, to be honest. Probably didn't have GPS watches. <laughs> nah, I didn't have a GPS watch at that time, so I, I honestly don't remember. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think really anyone had GPS watches back then, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, they just started to come in after that, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, not many people ran in spikes, not many people had watches. I think this what no. There's more, you know, more exposure to everyone seeing who's got the best gear and the best shoes. So I'd imagine these days everyone's wearing super shoes as the best Garmin watch. And, yeah, they're sort of, you know, it's sort of a decision between the spikes and super shoes. It's pretty funny, actually, uh, what, what boys are choosing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Hey, let's come back to that because we'll kind of go through your, your running story from a young age to churchy and then thereafter. I know you, uh, you went through America college system, right, for a year or so? I was there for five years. Five years, yes. We'll get to that uh, as yeah. well. And, and you're running now. But um, before we get there, let's just recap a few recent races. So I believe you're at the Sydney, Trassic, uh, Sydney Track Classic. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I ran the 3K there. Yep. And and probably a better result, though, a few weeks later in the uh, 2023 Chemist Warehouse Australian Open Championships, if I call it the official name there, uh, in second in the 5K <laughs> behind Cal yeah, been, was that the only event you you uh attended yeah yeah that was i just did the 5k there yeah so seventh in 752 in the 3000 in sydney so how was how had you bowed in that race that oh, sydney was there? a bit of, so my yeah it's probably second second fastest time um i've uh yeah it was a it was a funny race we were sort of we went through 2k just running 64s and then we really just sort of, you know, everyone sort of put the foot down the last K. Um, I was probably, you know, 
the guy that's sort of the top four. Um, so Jude Bucks, James Hansen, and Rory Hunter, not yeah. in order, but they, um, you know, it, it, that race sort of came down to, to where you were positioned. So I was probably just out of position a bit too far back because, you know, when you everyone's sort of run 64s, and then you drop it down to, you know, 60, 61, and you're 10 or 20 meters back, you got to run like, you got to drop it down to like a 58 just to get make yeah, exactly, up that ground. Yeah. yeah. And then in the last K, you can, you know, you can really, uh, you can take a lot out of yourself making that kind of move, especially early on. So I think that race, yeah, not, you know, I could have probably done a lot better had I been in a better position, but that's, you know, you have you, you have your ups and downs with your, with your racing. Um, so yeah, but like, like you said, nationals is a much better result, even though it was more, a lot more of a tactical race. Um, I was in a better position, you know, and then just was in a position to attack in that last sort of lap, but uh, nearly got there. Didn't quite get, didn't quite get the win. Yeah, it was a tight finish. I'm just trying to recall who was in third behind you two. James Anson. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah. bit of a battle towards the finish line there, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it definitely was. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was. You know, we. Yeah, we, we were all sort of together coming in 200 to go. And then Hanson made a big move with about... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, on the bend. 50, 160. Um, yeah. Got up on Callum. Well, got level with Callum. And then I sort of made my move with 100, <laughs> sort of 100 or 90 metres to go. Got past Hanson, was getting towards Callum, but just didn't have quite enough room to get there. And so and Callum, but Callum had the best. He had the inside line and the, you know, the the best look at the finish coming into the last straight. So, you know, he was, he was well positioned to get the win, but he had a super, he had a super weekend. Oh yeah. All those results. He, he's probably mm. more so a 1500 meter specialist, right? Like that speed he's got that back end, that kick is pretty remarkable, mm. but it really was like sort of James Hansen, then you were in there and then Cal came through at the end that lasted at 50 meters. Mm. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, yeah, it's a very close race. And I mean, it wasn't particularly fast. We only ran, the thirteen fifty two. I'm looking at. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a the race that suits sort of the fifteen hundred runners, and but you know those sort of like you get a lot of championship races, especially sort of the five k and even the ten k. You know, Zadipek late in December last December. There was sort of a similar story. Um, you're just gonna have you know you're just trying to get you're just trying to finish as high as you can, so you sort of sit around for a bit and then. Um, last half of the race usually starts picking up, and that was sort of the story with that race. I mean, a lot of guys there have run quicker than thirteen fifty, myself included. But you know, when everyone's a sort of a similar level, you you know you end up just sort of looking at each other, and then yeah, last you know, then then when things get moving, you sort of sort yourselves out. But um, it's a different story when you know you're 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 in a race that's sort of paced to be a lot quicker, and you're just trying to hang on. So there, yeah. Right, especially when you get in the longer distances, the race is just different depending on how they're sort of set up, what they are, and um, I guess what you're trying to do when you go in them. Yeah, exactly. And you you've run a fair few 10k and half marathons too, so you're definitely diverse. But it seems seems when you're running a bit longer, you seem to be more successful and faster over those longer distances. Would you would you probably agree with that? Oh, uh, to in the sense of like the 5k. And I guess the 10K, yeah, that, yeah. I'd, I'd agree. Those are my best. In particular, the 5K was my probably my best 
PB, but my 10K is decent, like 28.15, I think it is. But, I mean, the, my half marathon's okay, but it's not, I think it's like 63.20 or something like that. It's not, it's certainly not, you know, it's not quite on the same level as my 5 and 10K times. So I think, I, I definitely still think, you know, my 5 and 10K is my best, uh, my best races. Um, and the 3K is not far off that, but um, yeah, I'm definitely geared more towards those long distance races on the track. Half marathon, done a few, done okay, but I wouldn't say that I'm, um, I wouldn't say it's, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's my best, you know, sort of in my best events. But in saying that, you know, you can be good in the 5 and 10 and you can still run a good, decent half marathon here and oh, there. Yeah. But, yeah. but to be, you know, sort of at the level, to be towards that top level in the half, you got to be running 61 or 60 minutes in that sort of range. So still a bit, still a bit away from that, but I'm not trying to be a really, you know, fast half marathoner at the moment. So um, it's just another, it's just an extra sort of event that, that I've got to my name. Yeah. Well, so where do you think you'd be placed right now in that half marathon and 10 K with that 63? And that what's the twenty eight um forty was it? And that's that's your road twenty eight fifteen to your your track. Where would mm. that place you? Do you think in oh Australia? Like, yeah. Where oh um well I mean I was third at Zadipek last in this last December, um but sort of uh I mean it, it, look uh, if I ran twenty eight minutes, you know you'd sort of be looking in the top three or four definitely top five I and mean, it's hard to say what other guys can run at any given time at the moment but um you know i i'm not sure whether i'll do another 10k this year well until next Atapec. um but i mean i think i'd be in, i think i could be in shape you know i'd get myself in shape you know with a bit of a couple of weeks of just sort of focusing on getting ready for a 10k probably to you know i, I think i've got about a 20 745 ish in me but it's sort of lining up the race it's deciding to do one and then lining up in a race where you're going to be able to run that yeah it's, and it's um, only sort of once they're, a few, year. they're few and far between yeah exactly again? well between Zadipak, i mean there's not too many opportunities against australians that is specifically to to run a 10k other than Zadipak. really is there well even at Zadipak, you know, you know it's got to be you've kind of got to have it set up with pacemakers yeah. to even think about running there. Um, because running, I mean, even running 28 minutes is pretty hard because it's yeah. not, it's not so much saying like, um, you know, you might have run, you know, you can run 13 mid to uh, sort of 13 teens in the 5k, but still running 14 minutes back to back, um, is tough. It can sort of creep, creeps up on you, especially in the later parts of the race. Yeah, and just getting them all there, especially those over in America as well. But I think yeah. I have a memory of, was it Stuart McSwain who set the Aussie record? Was it Box Hill or was it Zadipek? I think in the 10K. I could be wrong with that. It was Zadipek at Box Hill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where I ran my PB up, but I was not near Stewie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, but uh, yeah, he, um, I mean, that race hit, they had, you know, he had, they had pacemakers for about 4K, I think. And then he had Pat and clocking off the laps in front of him, setting the pace for that kind of time. Um, and Stewie was able to sort of burn past Pat in the last lap. So 
it was a you know you couldn't have scripted it better for Stewie to break this uh, Australian 10k record. Oh, I recall all the fans also walking onto the track like that was about four lanes free. They really crammed up against the race. It was pretty good atmosphere too. They do that at every Zatapet. They sort of yeah. let them, um, yeah, they let they let them go out into lane. They put barriers up in, at the edge of lane four, and everyone yeah. sort of. So when you're running, it sort of feels like everyone's on top of you, which is cool. It kind of visually, it sort of looks like you're running through a tunnel. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's excellent. Hey, uh, let's get to some background around you first before we get into a few more formalities, uh, just to get you known to the listeners if they don't know you you've been around for uh, a number of years we could almost call it 10 to 11 years since high school to a degree over in america for a handful back in australia predominantly in brisbane i i think but uh before we get to training anywhere in the last few years what about just simple things around we like were you born in brisbane how old you are exactly if you're willing to share and where, and where you're living right now jack um so born in brisbane um uh, 28 and I live with my girlfriend Stephanie in a suburb called Win- uh, Windsor. We rent a, a two-bedroom apartment. Oh yeah, Are we can't get more specific than that. Uh, it's a little bit of it's a little bit up. Um, you sort of got to go a bit more north, and I do a lot of. If I run from home, I, there's a have you run on the um, uh, it's like the Nogger Creek Bikeway. Oh, a, t- a tiny bit. Yeah, it's a bit far from me, but I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah, so I do a lot there, and that sort of that goes follows the creek along a fair bit, and then it can get it gets all the way to Ashgrove, but you can sort of turn. There's a there's one turn off you can do, and um, there's a small. It's very small, and part and half of it is like a is almost vertical because it kind of kicks up this hill. But and I don't run up that. But there's a small uh, reserve with some trails in there, so like I'll if I do an hour run or an hour and a bit. I'll just run along the bikeway all the way to there, do a lap of, uh, well, a half lap of that, um, and then run home for about 14 and a half. So that's a, oh, yeah. that's a normal run. I go from home. So that's more of my local than the Kedron Brook is. and But also I run on the river quite a lot, um, especially when it's hot because I think, I mean, you get a little bit of a breeze off the water. So Yeah, definitely. I tr- yeah, I try and like, especially when it's hotter, I try and run on the river just to, get a little bit of respite from the breeze off the water. Um, so I try and avoid, um, but also, I mean, I still run the, that, that Anoga Creek bikeway run I just mentioned, just because a lot of it's actually shaded. It's not a big, like, it's not a big wide open thing like the Kedron Brook is. So you can get a bit of, you do get a fair bit of shade from the sun on that run. But yeah, the brook I don't actually run, I've run on a couple, like not that often, to be honest. Um, and I don't think, I like, especially when it's hot, you're very exposed. Pretty exposed, no yeah. Shade. Yeah, and, and yeah, wind, not many, a bit of wind tunnel. Not many, yeah, not many drink taps either. So no, no. You can really, you can really fry yourself there. But I do ask too, because I've seen you on there on Strava on a segment uh, that I looked at that I thought I was going fairly well at, and then I saw the first placed person was Jack Bruce, uh, maybe three I, years ago, and your, your title for the run was like new location or something like that. So maybe you just moved. I would up to the area the first time i think it was i I tried i did a i did a threshold there and it was um yeah i think i did the one maybe two thresholds there and haven't gone back it's 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 decent for one but i mean yeah i wasn't a huge fan of it just because 
you end up dodging a lot of people. So yeah, it was um I've I've done like yeah, like I said, two thresholds there, haven't gone back. Um it's Tim Vincent's local. He loves the brook. I have He's, seen him there. Yeah. If you wanna if you if if anyone's an expert at that place, it's him. Yeah. He, he lives just a couple of streets away from it. I don't actually mind the grass there along the sides in the middle too. If you want a bit of a different surface to run on, the grass is pretty good now too. But um, yeah, it can be exposed. Uh, mate, what about, uh, you said you were studying today, doing an assignment. So what, what's, what's uh, you, are you studying with uni and are you working as well as running? Yeah, so I'm in the final stages of my law degree at QUT. So they've got a graduate entry program. So I, because um, I did a finance degree over in, in America, um and i kind of always wanted to do law i and it's only three years i did that when i came uh when i came back or started it when i came back and uh i'm working as well i've got a um i work as a paralegal for a company called horizon Ari- uh, which is australia's biggest rail freight company so like on big freight trains you know they we cart around um coal iron ore all the shit that australia digs up out of the ground pretty much a lot of yeah. grain um that sort of stuff yeah and where do you see yourself heading longer term with that do you think um well the plan i mean hopefully the plan is get a you know move toward like next next year or after the end of this year when i graduate um you know move into private practice in a law firm get a grad you know get a graduate gig and start start that side just but you know for a for a while get a lot of experience there um so the difference between that and the sort of the role i mean well apart from being ending up being a properly qualified lawyer is you're on the advisor side not the client side so yeah i mean i work for currently i work for a big uh well a paralegal in a big in-house legal team so there's a the lawyers that we have there are the lawyers for the like who are employees of the client. That's kind of the best way to describe it. Yeah. So when you're, when you're on the advisor side, it's a bit more, um, I suppose it look, it's a lot more tech, a lot more technical, a lot more focused. Um, you're working towards sort of billable hours and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, massive teams of lawyers doing all different kinds of work. You have, you just learn a lot and get a lot of experience. And then ultimately later in your career, if you want a bit, you know, you might you might move as a to in well they call it in house. You might move in house and actually work for a, one company and do all their work and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's and that's sort of the normal trajectory of a lot of um law graduates, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But in yeah. saying that, there's there's heaps of areas of law, heaps of things you can do. But typically that's kind of the trajectory of that a lot of law graduates do. So that's kind of where it's probably heading. I mean, a lot can lot can change, but and we'll see. But yeah, so I'm I, between that and studying and running, I'm pretty um pretty full on. But <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's a busy existence, but I like being busy, so it's all good. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Do you find the the work in the uni actually assists like mentally to to get through the running week? Do you have a, do you have a dream of just running, or do you think there's benefits to to being busy through the day? Oh, I think there's a lot of benefits to being busy through the day. I mean, um, I mean, apart from the, aside from the obvious, which is sort of you, you've got, you know, you're earning money, uh, which is you know, running income from running is very conditional, <laughs> in that you make a lot of money if you win a lot, and so 
and it's very competitive, so it's hard to make a lot of money in running. Um, but also, I think mentally, at least what I've found is that because I've done, I've just run before um, and not done a lot else, but I find that it forces me to switch off from it. Like you know, you, you know, Tuesday when we got a hard track session, you know, wake up, train before work. And, you know, whether I've had a really good one or maybe had a bad one, you sort of move on from it and, you know, you got to get to work and do the next thing. Yeah, so it yeah. takes you in and out of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good, you know, you got to have a, you got to find your own happy balance with, um, with your athletics. And part of that, I think one way I cope pretty well with that is to just be doing, doing other things. And that allows me to sort of zone in and zone out when I need to. Because if you're if you're totally if you're trying to be mentally dialed in all the time to the running you're doing, it it can kind of be very draining and ultimately like it might not be the best thing for you. Some people but again, that's different person to person. Like some people can just be totally all in all the time. That doesn't really work for me. So it's nice having other things to do. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Hey, let's get to these running PBs. We've spoken about a few of them and also running achievements, which can be hard to find actually online the, the pbs are pretty easy for a professional athlete on world athletics but um i do recall you won uh the box hill 3k didn't you in the last two to three years as an achievement of yours oh that was the first time they had the um australian 3k champs it was at yeah. box hill yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i won. so i won that i was in 2021 yes um i've uh, i've been on the podium at that effect three times three bronze medals um, one of three K champs, like you said, um, and then I've got one bronze and one silver in the five K. Um, yeah. I think there's a, there's a, a, like AA has a Australian road running champs. They have it, that city to Bay race. I won that one year, but oh, I don't that Adelaide, is it? Yeah, it's in Adelaide. I don't, yeah. I don't know how they classify that as an Australian champs, but Anyway, there you go. <laughs> and then what about the uh, the fun runs out there too, around the southeast corner or in Brisbane? I've seen you out in Bridge to Brisbane a few times. Have you done uh, the G to Jetty run or any of those other sunny coasts? You've done a few times. I know that. Yes, I've done I've done sunny coast three times. Won the ten k, won the half marathon once. Was fourth in the half marathon last year. Um, when I, the time I won the half marathon was only when Queenslanders could do it, so that was a <laughs> um, but in saying that, we had myself, Tim, Louis, Liam. True, it yeah. was a, like everyone who could run showed up. Um, so it was still a decent race. Liam but... and that is? Yes. Um, right. And, uh, but like, I mean, last year was a bit more of a competitive race. We had, you know, Brett, Brett and Smack there. Obviously, Liam had a, Liam beat me on the day. He ran 63 or might have gone 62, 50 something. Um what else? Uh, yeah, I've done Bruce to Brisbane three times. One at my first time when they had it on the course that went through the city. Oh, um, when it first changed. Yeah, when that when they were doing the upgrades to Kingston says drive. Um, and let's yeah, so I won it, won it that year. I think it's still the still got the record, although, I mean, it's the record for that course. But is it ten k? Um, that's the question. <laughs> That course is apparently certified. It's on my profile, which is hilarious. I don't is think it? it's actually 10. 
Yeah, apparently. Oh, this is the I 40 I read earlier. I think, yeah, Brisbane 29. Yeah, that's it. That's the year I before. Apparently got, apparently, yeah, apparently it got certified, but the one they run now isn't, or they've just never bothered to get it. Yeah, I, th- yeah I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever it is. Um, And the, the other two years, third and 2021, and then second last year. Um, Yeah. So, and the road stuff I've been sort of up and down with had a couple of good results and some not so great ones. So the road stuff I'm is not my strong suit. I've been, I've, I think my results are a lot better on the track, generally speaking. Um, uh, I might've done, I think I've done jetty, jetty once just as a, I might've been in like 2021 when there was nothing at like, you know, it was, the, it was sort of when we were in, in lockdown, out of lockdown, um, and it was on. I might have just. I think I did it one year, but I can't. I not, can't exactly remember off the top of my head. Yeah, they did um, get a few, like two to three really fast guys there, and then there's a huge gap to the rest. Well, yeah, it's kind of. I mean, someone you know, someone will usually turn up just to get the prize money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, it's a bit of a. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. Um, what do they yeah, pay you there, that's Jody, the, Jody? I want to say like they they give you like a thousand bucks for if you win the half. Yeah, yeah. I think eight hundred if you win the ten, which is not. I mean, it's not terrible. Could be a lot worse. Um, yeah. But you know, you could get nothing. But but it's you know it's it's int- like it's a lot of money for the amount of people that do it and who turns up, which is interesting. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. For yeah. example, what what you what you take away from Bridge to Brizzy when you won it as well? Two grand, like two grand. Yeah. Yeah, but then you got so, Gold, yeah, Gold Coast a, pays what almost ten times the amount of that, depending on the event. Oh, if you're I doing guess. the if you're doing the mar if you're doing the marathon, Gold Coast is they lot most of the money is in the marathon. I mean, if you win the half, I think it's three thousand. Yeah, and the ten k if you win, it's a thousand, and that ten k is a lot yeah, better true. than Jetty Jetty is. Yeah, so it's actually not it's actually not that great. Yeah, relative. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's get to these PBs then, because there's, um, of course, indoor PBs from America, and particularly on the shorter stuff too, and some outdoor there. I'm looking at now from the USA, so uh, I'll read through these. It's a long, long list. You've been out there for a long time, so it makes sense. <laughs> uh, and when I start, these are pretty old too, so you probably don't want me to read them out, but I will to set the scene. 2013, 400 meters in Brisbane, 50 to 60. One five two eight four for eight hundred again eight years ago in America. In is that Norwalk? Is that how you pronounce it? I actually don't know. I have, that's the one I haven't even looked at. <laughs> Fifteen hundred. I vaguely remember it. I vaguely remember. It. I vaguely remember it. I think it was like yeah. first year there, and I did fifteen hundred the night before and eight hundred that day. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, it's still go. reasonably quick. It's still pretty quick. 1500, 339.86 in the US as, as well. Uh, one mile, 404.57 in Sydney, though, 2018. What was that event? Oh, that was that was Australian Mile Champs. That was in... Oh, yeah. I was in Bankstown. Yeah, I did that one year. That was... um, Yeah, I, I was. A few times I've actually ra- properly raced a mile outdoors. You're good to have another crack at that getting close to for the magic four minute barrier well i did the um uh i don't know if you remember in that in 2020 that uh and if you know the company that 
that company from Geelong, Steigen, they were doing yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, these time trial competitions and they had one for the 3K and they had one for the mile. And I ran a uh, 357 high handheld. Oh, right. You have broken it. Out at Nudgee. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah, Nudgee. Yeah. Well, not official. So, you know, it's a... Was that at Nudgee back in 2020? Yeah, it's beyond my Strava somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, they that was, you know, that was pretty good. Yeah, and seven. There was nothing else going on, so something to do. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Seven fifty one eighty one. We spoke about at Box Hill two years ago. The five thousand on the track. I don't think we've mentioned that specifically as a time. Thirteen twenty eight fifty seven in Palto Alto, USA. That's five years ago. So under the thirteen thirty, that is definitely that's your track five k PB. Yep. And uh, is that something that you're working towards? Do you think to lower? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I mean, since that, since sort of that time I've had, I mean, that's probably, that's sort of the, given it's my event, it's probably the best to sort of, <laughs> it's sort of the best, one of the best events to sort of contextualize the last couple of years as well. I mean, 2019, I spent a lot of it injured, you know, 2020 was a bit of a write-off with COVID. No one really did anything. Uh, I got injured again at the end of 2020. So um was sort of fighting to get back to fitness and that 3k that i did in 2021 was sort of was good because i got myself to some level of fitness to be able to win that race um but to run to run fast in the 5k you've got to have a lot of work like a lot of you know a lot of fitness behind you yeah perfect build up right perfect training block perfect um things to happen on the on the night get Mm. the right position and then yeah and so um yeah i mean i think after that it was interesting after that 3k we went to i went over to wa um with stewie and brambo is from wa so he's already there but with stewie and dave mcneil and we were trying to run the stewie was pacing us but myself dave and rambo were trying to run the olympic qualifier um and that was i mean i was able to keep up to sort of 3k but then wheel sort of fell off and that that kind of shows i mean we were running 64 63 pace and you know i didn't have the fitness backed up i didn't have the fitness in the legs from just over time that you need to be able to run that sort of race to um get down there but um so that and then you know that was the last the track stuff i did in 21 um 22 um had a bunch of sort of 13 13 13 40 results None of the races I I ended up doing sort of ended up being ones where I probably could have had a really good shot at lowering the PB. Because again, you know, similar to the 10K, you know, you got to have the right sort of race set up to be running that pace to sort of get to lower those times. And that was what that 13.28 time was. I mean, I was sitting, I remember I was sitting at the back, pretty much the back of the field. And then we're just able to pick up quite a few places in the last 600 and run that time. So yeah, it was sort thinking, of a per- kind yeah. of a perfect night for the time. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking uh, in Australia, other than that uh, 5K the other week, which race on the racing calendar is uh, the best one to actually to put yourself in that position for that PB as an elite Australian 5K runner? In Australia, it's probably not. I mean, it kind of depends because I remember in 2021, and I, 
paced a race at Box Hill in March where um, it was where Stewie ran. He had his own pacing group, but then there was a, it was weird. There was a Stewie getting paced and then there was a group of, I think it was Rambo, Brett and Dave. They were getting paced to try and run 13, 15. And I paced them through 2K just at sort of 63, 64. So I went, took them through in like 518. Um, and this is when I was sort of coming back into coming back from injury. Um, so that race was sort of set up to just try and chase after the time. So I think it's very, when the Olympics rolls around, and I suspect this will be the case next year, is that there will be races sort of set up that maybe aren't at track classics, but they'll be set up to where yes. guys who are fit enough in shape are just going to try and whack out of time. Yeah, and bring just it try on. And go for it. Yeah, so I suspect that there'll be a bit more of that going on next year. Um, but it's just something that's not typically done outside the Olympic years, or not as much anyway. Um, but Nationals is sometimes fast, but hasn't been that level of fast in the last two years. Yeah, the fifteen hundred's been okay, but the five thousand not not so much comparative, hey. Isn't there one down in Adelaide every year? Adelaide invitation. Yeah. Yeah. So we ran we ran that race earlier in the year and that was a we had we had paces, but they were a bit their pacing was very up and down. And it was a they only went they went like four or five laps and we had a pretty shocking night, um, conditions wise. And there was a couple of Japanese athletes that had flown over. And I remember I, I assumed that they would sort of take up the running. And you probably think they would if they'd flown all that way to come and run a 5K. <laughs> but they sort of just sat around. Um, so we ended, only ended up running about 13.50. But um, I think it's just a, it's a case of definitely in Australia where, you know, we just, especially in like the track, classics and those sorts of things in the domestic season we don't always have the depth needed to put a race together there'll probably be there'll be an effort to set up races for everyone for people to try and run the time in australia um but for me personally i think this like i'm going over to europe sort of in the middle of the year and i've got a couple of 5ks lined up so i think there'll be really good opportunities to low to get try and run in that th- those 13 te- that 13 teens range but definitely think i'm in that sort of shape so yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, and speaking of 5K, well, 5K on the road, it's a Noosa PB for you, 14.03, which I think I thought was strange because you turn a lot and it's terribly hot. But there, again, there isn't too many really fast 5Ks on the road out there either, is it? So that was, uh, what, two years ago there. I don't think I was in attendance for that one. How did you place in that? Uh, second. Oh, the blanket finished with Brian Gregson, actually. Um yeah, I uh, that was a blunder on my part mostly because he, I didn't realize how quickly he was coming up on me, and I because I off the last turn I had a sizable gap, but I didn't factor in him coming home at a million miles an hour, and he managed to yeah. just overtake me. Um, but anyway, it was, uh, and I also I think Louis McAfee helped him out quite a bit because Louis sort of sac- sacrificed his finishing kick from the last turn to almost tow Grego there. Not intentionally, but he sort of, he started taking off to try and catch up. And I think Grego just sort of got the sit on him and used it to bridge the gap. Um, 
So anyway, that was uh, missed out on six hundred extra dollars, but there you go. Yeah, it's ringing a bell that one, and a good win for for Gregson in the back end of his career. Only two years ago, he's um getting a bit older now for five k. Oh well, I mean, it's it's funny, like you know, road races just sort of do they're, they're just different on the track for yeah. I mean, the obvious reasons, but also just some reasons that I can't even explain. And but really, to the point of, you know, you can. You can do a race like Noosa, even if you're just training for like a marathon, for example, and still do reasonably well. Whereas that might not be the case on the track, and especially in the track where it's going out really quickly from the gun. Um, whereas Noosa is not, it's really not like that because you've got the eight hairpin turns you got to navigate. And it's, um, you know, it, Noosa is a race where you'll do really well if you can handle sort of slowing down and then picking up the pace again. So steeplechases usually do pretty well just because that's what they do in their race. Um, they're never running at like sort of one rhythm. They're always like their rhythm's getting broken five times a lap. So and news is kind of, it's kind of like that because you've got to slow down. Yeah. Get around the corner and then just take off again. Yeah, I saw Matt Clark out there last year, Steeple Chaser. I think he he voted mm. pretty well. Maybe maybe podiumed. He put it to Rainer. But Rainer, he's a machine around the vents. He just doesn't slow down. Well, I mean, he was going for the record and yeah, not they went hard. out in like two they went out in like two thirty five, which was too quick. Because I think yeah, he, well Matt Clark he he sort of blew up at about three K <laughs> and like, finished in the he finished ended up finishing midfield, but he did that like he he blew up because he went out with Rainer. But also Rainer was just, I think, able to handle the blow up better because he his first K was like way too quick and then he ended up slowing down, but he put enough real estate on the field and was able to hold it. So Yeah, it's always the case yeah. though. Yeah, I was there running mm. three oh seven first K. I think I was almost at the back of the whole race. So uh that's that's a bit of an idea for that race. But great one to get out there if if you're reasonably fast to actually experience being on the start line with guys like Rainer, it's just such a great experience in the atmosphere. So highly recommend it. Um, we've we've spoken about the 10K on the roads. That was Bridge to Brisbane as a PB, moving on from the 5 at 28.41, yeah? And then the 12K Adelaide, 34.56.2019. Half Mara, 63.21 at Sunny Coast last year. And then we've got mm-hmm. those interesting ones like the Medley Relays US does as well on here. So I'll just sort of bypass them into the indoor ones if we can go ahead. And indoor, I'd love to hear your experience about indoor racing compared to outdoors, but the eight, 156, 44, 1K, 225, one mile, 40287. Or I've got two here actually, another mile, 4.72 in Nashville, both 2017 within a week of each other in January, 3,754.95, 5,014. 18, 5,013, 43. So they're all a tad slower, aren't they? Yeah, so I think there's a ring and some bells, and I think the reason there's two different entries because of those two different types of tracks. Yeah. So some of them, that four flat in Nashville was a 300-meter flat indoor track. Same thing with that second 5K. Um so that 5K indoors, the 14-12, I think that would have been an NCAA indoor championship. Mm. If I remember correctly. Yeah, that's what that would have been. And then the 402, I can't remember what that is, to be honest. Um, but yeah, those um, indoor, I, 
I suppose the biggest indoor racing, which is the 200 meter bank curves. I mean, for someone like me who's a bit bigger and taller, it's a bit harder. I was thinking again, it's, it's not, a... not 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 the same as Noosa, but a similar. Is it a similar idea in the sense you got to sort of come out of those bends hard, and you have got like less space to overtake on the straights? Oh, surprisingly not, because it's it's sort of well, it's it's not as though you're like doing a hairpin, but yeah. it's it's almost just feels like when you're going round the bends. I mean, you're running on a bit of an angle. It's not uh, how to describe it. I just I'd just say that uh, it's just sort of like you're doing a tighter turn, but it doesn't. It's it's not to the point of like Noosa where you've got to actually like fully turn around. But no. Um, but also like when you're on a bank, when you're on a bank, that the bank sort of offsets the turn a bit. So it's actually not as bad. It's not as bad. It's not as much of a turn as you might think it is. Is that what the bank's there for? It, it, to make it easier? Or faster, yeah. Because yeah. there's a whole lot of science. There's a whole, it, it's more pertaining to sprinting, I suppose. But there's a whole lot of science around like angles of the bends and sort of how that interplays with speed runners can run at and what gives them the most return. That sort is of that thing. a similar idea to cycling, like a velodrome? I, I don't know, because... Uh, well... I, I imagine they probably take inspiration from a velodrome, but the difference, I suppose, with running is you're actually getting, you're impacting the ground and getting a bit of, and, you know, you're pushing off it, whereas cycling, you're just going around it. So from a force perspective, and I'm, you know, I'm, this is just sort of all a bit theorizing, but I imagine the difference with running is, is mostly in that you're actually getting, you're, you know, you're landing and pushing off again. So there's probably the benefit actually comes from the bank, but they probably, uh, I would imagine when they, you know, whoever designed an indoor track or first came up with the idea, wasn't thinking, they were probably just mimicking track cycling with how they were going to shape it. Because back in the day, they used to have wooden boards um, on those tracks. They weren't a normal tartan surf. They were like wood. So, yeah, right. Yeah, what so about the um, uh, temperatures in there? I, I recall um, Kai Robinson was on this podcast, the very first guest actually, and he spoke about it sometimes being like almost too warm because often you, it's it's in the colder season to go inside and it's almost too hot in there. Have you experienced that before? Yeah, I, so um, so I, I mean, being at Arkansas, we had we had the beauty, you know, we got that we had that beautiful indoor track, um, which Kai would have Kai would have run on it. Um, it kind of depends on how they ventilate the, the facility. I would imagine, like some of them, if if the if where the track is is not properly ventilated, then you're just keeping the hot air in from the people in there, and it's freezing outside. So it's kind of a it's it's a thing of like it's freezing outside and warmer inside, but then it's like how well it's ventilated, so yeah. and how well they can control the temperature. So it's kind of that, but. Um, it's in my experience, I didn't really notice it that much, to be honest. So, or it's not something I thought about, but yeah, it, it seemed fine to me. The real thing is like some of them back on the vent, the ventilation point, the real, what can get you is like, um, you know, after you've done run a hard race or done a hard session on one of those in, in an indoor facility, your breathing's cooked. Like you just feel like you're, you know, you're just coughing a lot just because, you're not getting fresh air in, so 
yes, yeah, one of those things. Yeah, that, yeah. That's actually, I found that to be more of an issue than the temperature. Yeah. Hey, and what actually got you over to America? Was there a certain influence or a, and, and in saying that too, was there a certain race or time that you put forward or a bank of times to get over there? Was it your first year out or second or third? When did you head over to America? Um, Sort of midway through my second year um, out of school. And I, I didn't go, like, I didn't have the plan to go there when I was in high school. Didn't really think about it. Because at the time, and this is in sort of 2012, there wasn't, uh, like, this is when Pat Tiernan had just gone over and just started getting results. So I suppose in some ways he was an influence, but he was like breaking, well, he was sort of breaking new ground at the time as an, as an Aussie who'd go over there and do really well. Because I think there was a bit of a stigma on at the time of, oh, if you go over there, you're going to get overtrained and just get injured. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people thought, and over time that's that's very different now because I think a lot of there's been a lot of Australians who've gone over there and run pretty fast and have had kind of shown that like you can have like you know there's plenty of success to be had if you you know put the work in um, and you run well. So that's changed a lot since I was since I was sort of in year 12 and looking what to do next but i think it was just at the time it was just wanting a change and just wanting to try just wanting to try something different yeah so you're trying to take take the next steps yeah exactly and you were there for a handful of years there's many that go there for a couple years so that's like it's a fairly long time it seems like kai robinson is heading in that direction to to continue to be there for a few more years so so what what did you get out of being over there What, what are the main things that you took away from racing and training in the American college system? Oh, I mean, the main thing I think for me was the standard of like what it takes to actually be good is just so much more than I thought it was. So, and what I mean, kind of mean is like, you know, I probably wasn't training. I wouldn't, you know, wasn't training all that hard, not doing all the right things and that sort of stuff. But, um, like when I got there, you know, when I got to Arkansas and was doing, you know, and, and got into that, like I just got, it was just a whole different experience um, and a whole different level of doing things. But I just threw myself into it. And I think in the space of a year, I'd never run a 5K before, ran 1357 in my first ever 5K I did. Um, oh, sorry, 1354. And then... Uh, I ran a, I had a 350, 1500 PB and ran 341. Yeah. Um, so that was, a, and that was a four and a half year old PB at the time, I think. Um, so yeah, it, it was just, I think putting myself in that system and just sort of surrendering, surrendering myself to go like myself to a different way of doing things and a different standard and that it, paid a huge amount of dividends yeah yeah for sure and was it sort of the like the group training environment the mileage the consistency intensity or almost all of those as a package i mean really sorry to... i'd say i'd probably just say all the above yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's a few few guys out there at the moment um in the last sort of six months young uh guys out there who've left australia to go to america so it seems like it's becoming fairly popular especially post 
COVID. I do know Kai left um, pretty close around that time, actually. I think it was pretty hard him getting over there. He, he must have been close to, must have been around 2020 when he went. But um, you fortunately missed all of that. So when did you get back? What sort of year were you back in Australia? 2016-ish or later? Uh, no, I wasn't back. Um, I So I finished my... I finished as, you know, my eligibility up in the middle of like 2018. I stuck around there for another year, was doing like a, uh, we're just doing like a graduate diploma, um, sort of one year thing, sticking around running. And it was sort of at that time I joined Melbourne Track Club. Uh, Cause I came back over Christmas, did a Falls Creek camp. And that's sort of when I started getting, was in the Melbourne Track Club stable. Um, yeah. And then sort of, I'd say around May 2019, I left. Um, yeah, packed up my stuff, went to a training camp in Spain with MTC, got injured, had to come home. And that's so, and that was probably like June, sort of end of May, start of June 2019. Yeah. So that's when I sort of came, came back and that's when I started. Uh, and I started law at the same time in the second semester there. So, yeah, it was, um, that's, so that's sort of when I left college and came back here, but it was not, it was a year after I'd finished as a, like a student athlete there. Yeah. Yeah. And when did, uh, are you with New Balance? Is that right? Yeah. So, so that when, was, when did that come in? That, that came in at the start of 2019. Yeah. So what, so what at that point in time, 2019, what, what were they offering for you in terms of any kind of sponsorship or support? as an athlete um i mean without sort of telling you all the specifics because i don't think i'm allowed to um but it's uh i mean just the usual things you'd expect from a i mean from a the usual things you expect from a um, professional athlete contract is you know shoes gear comp some compensation bonuses for performance um and then they have exclusive rights over over you that you have to only wear their brand. That's generally how it works. But that's just, yeah, lots of like any other professional athlete contract, um, you know, sort of through, sort of through Nick. And that's, I've had that since, yeah, I've had that since then. So, and they've been awesome. So, you know, they've, uh, I had more New Balance shoes prior to then because we were, because Arkansas was a Nike school. So it was all Nike stuff, but Yes, when I joined, or when I signed, like start of 2019, I was wearing New Balance stuff. It took a little bit of getting used to, but just different shoes and stuff. And I wear orthotics, so I had to sort of get things changed to make it work. But it's been fantastic since. So, and do they have a super the brand's super grown quite a lot in that time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they didn't. Well, they had a. I mean, they didn't debut anything to the market until 2020. But they had a Roadmar shoe that was a carbon-plated shoe that they had some of their athletes wearing in uh, in 2018 at the New Balance Fifth Avenue Mile, which is a Roadmar race in New York. Um, but that was an exclusive sort of thing, and I don't. I've still got. I you know all the athletes have them now, and it's they're not shoes that you can easily buy. Um, like they're not the New Balance side or anything like that, but. Um, they had an early version of that, but that was really a roadmap shoe. But I mean, I actually, I've, I've worn it in a, uh, 10 K and at 12 K in Adelaide. 
Um, but in terms of something that's the equivalent of like the Vaporfly next percent mm. or something, they didn't come out with anything until 2020, which is sort of the same story with most other brands because everyone was playing catch up to what Nike yeah. was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So what is their super current like main super shoe at the moment? What's it called? The main one is called the Super Comp. Uh, what's it called? So, um, Super Comp Elite Version Three. So, the previous model was called the RC, um, which is called the R, which is called the RC. So they've there's been a few name updates and things, and they've sort of um, branded a lot of their performance shoes Super Comps. So it's just there's been a bit of name changing and that sort of thing. But it's the third iteration of their of their um their super shoe and it's geared it's built for like the half and full marathon um so that's the current version it's uh it's quite a bit different from the first version um a few different foams and a few new technologies but yeah it's pretty good shoe so i i quite like it and how many runners do you see out there donning the new balance shoes is there many on the elite australian running scene who are wearing it on the roads I think I'm the only. Uh, are you talking about just generally, or yeah, or generally? Yeah, I, I guess a number of them will have sponsors to wear those particular shoes. But yeah, have you seen many New Balances out there toward the front of any road race that you've been involved in in the last few years? Well, outside of people who are, who are, uh, well, I guess people who are win- most people who are winning races in Australia have a con- have, yeah exactly are under contract of some kind, but. I guess in terms of like how popular the shoes are, I mean, I see a lot of just everyday people wearing them and especially like runners going along. So they are, the brand's grown quite a lot. I think it's, it's, um, whereas previously they were, you probably consider them maybe the biggest of the, the rest outside of like Nike and Adidas. I think they're definitely in the running space. They're a lot, they are, they're sort of they're a lot closer to how big Nike is than they are bigger yeah. than like ASICs and some of those yeah. other brands. So yeah, because um, yeah, they're very, you know, they have a lot of shoe, yeah, they have a lot of options. They've been around for a while. So it's just a bit of a different a different landscape. And I think they're a lot more popular than they used to be. Yeah. Hey, you'd be happy to know that uh, Church is now sponsored by New Balance, actually, in everything we wear. It's like a common uh sporting outfit or uniform for a staff member is new balance and shoes so uh, it's interesting when did they're um when did when did that come along yeah oh in the last six months mate yeah very recent so there you go i'm after text uh matt spicer and ask me about that yeah (laughs) yeah that's interesting that's pretty cool i mean it's um just like, is it just the staff and like that, yeah, that wear all the stuff yeah yeah we've had sort of uniforms for a number of years now now to very uh, smick looking consistent outfit that we're in i think it's a generally a gray polo shirt with the the blue shorts now but do like the kids wear like a for their competitions will they wear like the singlet and shorts from new balance or no oh i don't think so i think they're still in the same yeah same gear i'm not sure of that brand unless you can remember what they were with back then i think it's canterbury or something like that yeah from memory yeah but hey, um, money to update that one yeah. hey let's get to your kind of training week now because you've been in brisbane for a few years so i just love to hear generally the monday to sunday but also the specifics around what you're doing 
on those days. Uh, and particularly, like I spoke to Brady Trellfall actually the other week from Inside Running Podcast. I'm not sure if you had a listen, but we had a bit of a chat about the jogging um, application at the moment, like how sort of fast you're jogging and how you sort of fit that around then the faster sessions you're doing two or three a week. You've mentioned the hills on a Saturday. Is Tuesday and Thursday then a day for the harder stuff? And then how's the jogging looking through the week? So I'll probably, I'll, I mean, I'll just go through the week sequentially and then we'll yeah. talk about the jogging. That might be easier. So Mondays is usually just an hour run, um, somewhere like somewhere between 14 and 14 and a half covered. Um, Tuesday, uh, in when we're in the thick of the, the track season, it'll be a session on the track. Um, and then I'll go for a 30, minute, 30 to 35 minute double in the in, at night. Lately, that's been running home from work. Um, Wednesday, 60 in the morning, just 60 minute run in the morning. Same sort of thing as Monday. Thursday, uh, th like threshold session. Most of the time, it's just 30 minute threshold. Um, so mostly I'd cover that session in sort of 304 average to sort of 307 average, and usually somewhere flat, in that range. Flat deck? Not yeah, really. just out of, yeah. out of EQ. So we'll, on the dirt. Some of it, most of it on that sand trail. Yeah. It's sort of in the street back. So just kind of all along the river there where it's flat. Um, Friday, 60 in the morning, same as Wednesday and Monday. And then usually a double run with strides built in there on the, on the Friday. Saturday, hills in the hill session in the morning 30 minute double in the afternoon and then sunday's long run most of the time lately to 90 minutes so 21 or 22k in there long run i don't smash like it's just getting it done really just because the rest of the week so the rest of the week's pretty intense so yeah do you track your pace you on that at all or is it pretty much to feel and what sort of pace do you end up running generally by the end of that 20 or so k like low fours generally or mm. Depends on like if I if I run on the river or somewhere like that, it'll be sort of in the four in the four O's, like four O six or seven or something like that. But if I'm running and that's only because I might get moving a bit towards the end. But if I'm running at somewhere like Daisy Hill, which I've been doing lately, I'll run four fifteens, something like that. That sort of pace. But I don't really track it, it's just kind of off to feel. And that's the same with Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's just really, yeah, and the jogging. doubles, frankly. It's just kind of to feel. I don't really look at the pace. I'll just stop the run and go, oh, yeah, that's that's that. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't, I never really bother with trying to track pace, especially on just easy runs. I don't think, I don't think you get anything out of doing that. So, yeah, it's probably better to just, um, yeah, I think it's better to just go to feel. Yeah, what sort of pace do you put out on those easies? High fours then. Do you ever hit fives? No, no, I never. I usually will run for probably like four, ten to 20 pace most of the time. Oh, okay, yeah. So I'm running, on the, back so I'm running on the flat, so. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I've been doing, look, I've been doing it for, doing it for that long and doing that in a routine. It's not, and I'm running on a pretty easy in a pretty flat and easy surface so it's not yeah and you can can difficult. run 28 something for a 10k so yeah, yeah so it's all, it's all it's all yeah. yeah it's all relative yeah yeah that's right yeah right and um at the moment so who who are you training with and is there a coach then that's guiding you at the moment through your week yeah so nick but owen collis 
the you know Melbourne Track Club guys, coach myself, also Callum Davies, also Jude Thomas. So that's three of us, and then we um, Ryan and Jen Gregson are there as well. So we've got a bit of basically the our we've got quite we've got a number of athletes in the Melbourne Track Club stable who we all train together here in Brisbane. Yeah, that's so, what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Nick, like Nick, and more recently Collis, because um, he's sort of come on board with the coaching and management side of uh, of things in Melbourne Track Club. So, but he's he got Collis guys my training these days. But um, before he came on board, Nick was uh, Nick was guarding it, and so it's been like that's been the case since twenty sort of start of twenty nineteen. I'd say. Yeah. Sort of when I first probably joined the group, yeah. So does the group then actually kind of have a name or is it literally an offshoot of Melbourne Track Club then in Brisbane? We've we've been calling ourselves the Brisbane Track Society as a sort of an inside joke because <laughs> so um I don't know if you know Jackson Patterson, right? I don't know who he is. Yeah, but no, no, he ran with he us had at a... Bert, um end of last year. He disappeared though. He must be with you then. <laughs> oh, he's he's been turning up to our sessions, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fast, a good kid, young fast he, guy, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, he uh, apparently he started the Brisbane Track Club where he owns that Instagram page, and but uh, I don't know how much of an outfit it ever was. It seemed to just be selfies with him and other boys with their shirts off. Oh, so, now he's got some kind um, of sponsor too, which goes hand in hand with those selfies. What's that brand? LSKD or something like that? Yeah, have you seen that? What's that a, all about? I just a he's a good looking he's just a good looking fella so they they obviously want him to promote the club promote the brand um no but he's um he he like he's been training with us for a little while like not he doesn't turn up all the time but a lot of the sessions he turns up and he jumps in we also have uh liam budens come on board he's Collis is coaching him more recently now and tim vincent comes along for two of the days of the week as well so yeah, we've got a we've got a quite we've got quite a large little group there, um, but that's sort of only that all of that sort of come together in the last year. So, like last year, for example, it was pretty much myself, Callum, Jude, and Brian, um, and then in twenty twenty one, it was mostly just myself and Callum. In twenty twenty, there was um, it was pretty much myself and the Gregsons when they sort of first came up here when COVID was on. So it's sort of, yeah, it's all sort of come together as a big group now, but we are pretty much an offshoot of Melbourne Track Club in the sense that, you know, we all have the same coaches, same management. Um, but we've set up a little, you know, we've got a group up here and it works very well. We did, we did well at nationals, so that's been pretty good. We've, you know, so it's uh, it, it's been good, I think. You know, when you have a good when you have a group where everyone's trying to get the most out of themselves and everyone gets along, it's like that's the that's the ticket to success, really. Yeah, that's no, so good to have that in Brisbane too. So, so no part of mm. you ever thinks to head down Melbourne way, Victoria way, where generally the athletics and running is uh, of a stronger scene down there, or even back to America or anywhere else. You're pretty content right now in Brisbane with that group. Yeah, I've I've had things set up pretty well here for a while, so. It's no huge desire to move. Yeah, and that so that training in the week is that what's what race is on your mind like Monday to Sunday? Your your like key race for the year. Your training is a five k, ten k, ten k guy. Is that the intention of the week? 
pretty i mean yeah at most of our training that we do like in melbourne track we have athletes from you know 800 to the marathon most of what everyone does is very similar i mean with some you know some deviation here and there and for the marathoners especially when they start their marathon block sort of 12 weeks out from a marathon they they only do two sessions a week and their friday is a sort of a massive running day but um really the you know everyone does very similar training so everyone's able to sort of work together like for instance callum and jude are much more 1500 guys but the training i do is pretty much 90 five percent identical to what they do like there might there's probably differences here and there but you know it's very similar so that's kind of how our that's kind of how our group's training philosophy kind of works yeah both yeah. in brisbane and then in melbourne too and we've got you know there's we've got athletes overseas as well in our group who, who you know nick and Cole's coach so it's a very you know it's a bit of an international outfit, not just in Australia, but most of it is most of the guys and girls are in Melbourne. Um, but I think sort of back to the point of would I go, would I move to Melbourne? I mean, if we hadn't set up what we've set up here, then the the urge to go there would be a lot stronger, but you know, we've set up something pretty good here and are able to do it. Yeah. You so feel pretty, pretty, pretty loyal well. now. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's just easier. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just one last question on that. Do you know how um most recreational runners now anyway, for if they're training for a half a marathon, will actually incorporate like race pace Ks into their long run on Sunday? Do you guys do any part of that on the long run? Any five, ten K pace where it's strictly on that particularly just the Thursday the run, yeah. and that uh, Tuesday and Saturday cover that that hill hill stuff and the faster work on the Tuesday? Yeah, I mean our long runs are just long runs, yeah. generally speaking. They're never I think people do that just if they don't have the time to put or don't have dedicated days to do, um, you know, to do all the, to focus on all the other stuff during the week. It's yeah. more a case of, I think for us, because our week is pretty regimented and we have three hard sessions a week that we're sort of able to, we don't need to sort of do a long run and build something in there. But I have heard of people doing that. And I know, you know, know of a couple of people who, have done it and do it occasionally but not it's not a thing that we do yeah yeah sure hey i had a few listener questions but um it seems like we've covered them actually in the interview so uh yeah you've definitely uh killed this one mate now and i've got a few of mine if you don't mind finishing up with them some quick questions go for it all right so yeah hopefully hopefully answered in a sentence or two so we can wrap this up what do we got seven minutes on the clock on the timer okay I'll start pretty hard here. Who do you think is the best ever Australian runner, distance runner, female or male? Yeah, that's a bloody good question, isn't it? Um, geez. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a hard question. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be annoying and sort of change the answer a little bit to sort of to be in mind. So, what's the best performance? And I think I'd say probably Herb Elliott in 1960. Yeah. yeah yeah fair enough that's yeah definitely a tough question so many factors involved uh okay this might even be harder um actually i asked brady trail for this the other week which single person in australian running whether an athlete or a coach or an official has been the most influential person toward the sport oh the most influential um 
I've got you here with two. Yeah, with what? Because <laughs> then you can ask what in what way are they influential? Because yeah, um, I'd probably say Kathy Freeman because I think everyone watched oh, that yeah, race like and that. yeah, yeah, got something out of it. I'd say I don't. I don't think you know influent influential in the way that that you know that athlete that performance. No, a single moment can definitely you know yeah. cap like captured. Well, the whole of Australia, really. I don't yeah. think anyone's come close to sort of being able to do that. But yeah, yeah. And for athletics, if the first course, question yeah. wasn't distance runner, I would have said Kathy Freeman. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, influential on sprinters and uh, middle distance runners alike. I think uh, favorite mm. aspect of running in America, if you could pick one over in, in America for those handful of years, what would you pick as your favorite part of it? Oh, probably the team aspect of it. I'd yeah. say, uh, yeah. especially in cross country, because, you know, yeah. it's kind of more about how the team does than it is about how, what, how you do individually. Yeah. So that, that, I think that's the coolest, that was definitely the coolest part. Yeah, definitely. Hey, if you could uh, teleport very quickly to one spot in Brisbane for a run, any kind of run, where would you like to run? What's the best spot in Brizzy for a jog or a, or a session? Oh, well, a session I mean, for a session, it's probably UQ. I don't think you can really beat that. Yeah. Um, for a run, oh, Daisy Hill, I think. I mean, yeah, it's hard, right. but... Yeah, on the south side of Brisbane. It's, it's, well, it's difficult, but it's a difficult <laughs> run. But, you know, I think it's... I mean, you're running in the forest. It's, you can't really beat it. All right. Favorite type of run for the week? Is it a jog? Is it a long run? Is it a session? Hills? What do you like to do the most, Jack? Probably the track session, actually. Yeah, it's the hardest, but you know, you you get to you get to get moving fast, and it's broken up pretty nicely. So it's not it can be hard on paper, but you just you tick off one bit of it at a time. So it's kind of that's what I like most, yeah, and it's great. the best simulation for for racing. So yeah. it brings it's probably the closest thing to racing that you do besides racing. Yeah, speaking of sessions, favorite session of all time, or one on the on the rotations that you like the best? Mm, I reckon it's actually the session we probably did this week, which is where you go uh, sort of four laps, and then you do four four hundreds. So you go through that twice, and finish, and then but then and then finish with another four laps. Yeah, yeah, it sounds uh, sounds pretty tough. And uh, two more here. The greatest road race on the Australian running calendar anywhere in Australia, which race would you do? Uh, I reckon Bernie's my favourite, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's got such an epic finish, just just belting up the hill. And I've come agonising. I've come, I've been agonisingly close to the win twice. So surprising that I say that it's the, it's the best, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really fun race. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, most influential person as the last question to your career thus far, who would you thank the most for where you're at right now? Oh, my parents probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been, you know, since, since day dot, I mean, and it's probably the case, it's probably actually probably the case with most people. I mean, they're the they're your biggest, most of the time they, they, they've been your longest supporters for sure. So most people, so definitely my parents. Oh, it's great to hear, mate. And uh, there you go. There's Jack Bruce. We've, we've covered almost uh an hour 20, I think, 80 minutes uh, talking here. So uh, I really appreciate your time. We've heard a fair bit about Brizzy running, Australian running, American running, and uh, about that little group and what you guys do there around UQ and various spots in Brizzy. So I really do appreciate your time. And also a shout out to New Balance too about 
what they're doing to support you. And there's a definitely a growing brand, I think, in Australia. It's so exciting to see where they head to as a company supporting running athletes. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. I've had fun and uh yeah. Looking forward yeah, I'm also looking forward to see when they go. Looking forward to the new spikes when they come out. Waiting yeah. for them. Yeah, let's see how you go. Well, anyway, thanks, mate, and have a great afternoon, great Saturday. Yeah, you too. Take care. Cheers, mate. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or the local legend in running podcast in general, please jump on Spotify, give it a rating. I'd much appreciate it. Thank you.